Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following has been recorded from the funeral services of our friend and colleague, Les Grobstein, with permission from Les's family, which occurred Thursday, January 20th. Baruchim Habaim, welcome to all who have come. Remember and honor Les Grubstein, who whose voice has been a part of our hearts. Those of us here, those who knew, and those who he didn't know for years. It would only be appropriate to begin our ceremony today by sharing these words. Don't you worry about what's on your mind. Oh my, I'm in no, I can take my time. Oh my, I'm going red and my tongue's getting tied. I'm off my head and my mouth's getting dry. I'm high, but I try, 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 oh my. Let's spend the night together. Now I need you more than ever. Let's spend the night together now. These words of the Rolling Stones, they expressed what Les wanted to say to each person he knew and didn't know. Every time he got up to, to put his words out there on the radio waves, he wanted to spend that time talking sports and connect people in his way, on his terms. Now have to say goodbye to his presence. We pray that continue finding ways to spend the night together with him in memory and spirit and one another and as he would want with Chicago sports. Today, we have that mixture of emotion, the sadness and reality that his baritone Chicago accent won't be giving us any new insights. But we mixed that sadness together with our nation for every moment and every sound clip that we were blessed to have and to share. And so even through our tears, we give thanks for his life 
And we acknowledge that those tears are here because the love that we shared with him in own unique, less way is still part of us today and will be forever. As we name this moment, there are some words of our tradition that we use to express our hopes for his soul and for our own. And so we'll begin with a few words of tradition, beginning with the words of Psalm 121, which you don't have in your programs. Do so you bear with me for a few moments and listen? El I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where will my help come from? We pray that our help comes from God, the protector of Israel, who neither slumbers nor sleeps. We pray that God is your kin, your protection, your right hand. We pray that the sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night, but that God will guard you from all harm. God will guard your soul, your going and coming now and forever. Let us say, amen. And as we express those words of eternal hope, we also share the words of the 23rd Psalm which you do find in your programs. And I invite you to share these Psalm of David together at this time. God is my shepherd, I shall not want. God makes me to lie down in green pastures. God leads me beside the still waters. God pours my soul. God leads me in the paths of righteousness for God's name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You preparest it for me in the presence of my mind. You anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of God forever. Amen. As we share these words of our tradition, the most traditional part of our ceremony today is actually to share words of chesped, words of honor that lift up his memory. And I know this might sound odd to some of you coming from a rabbi, but rabbis listen to sports radio too. <laughs> And I have heard Les's voice many nights after late night meetings or counseling sessions with families and been comforted by his incredible, incredible knowledge base of minutia having to do with Chicago sports 
and pretty much anything that anyone wanted to talk about on the air. There are so many though who known him even better. And we look forward to hearing your reflections and your ways of honoring him today. And we're going to begin now by hearing from David Schuster who spent many years working side by side with Les. Well, the rabbi first did me before I say anything else, um, the Rolling Stones. Les's uh, show opening has got to be the best show opening of all time. I mean, the combination of the Rolling Stones and the Three Stooges, you just can't beat that. And Les and I bonded in so many ways, but I mean, every time I saw Les, I mean, it was a daily occurrence. There was a Three Stooges passage, would just share lines with each other. It was just on and on. Before I say a few words of my own, though, what I really wanted to stuff with, um, and I thought it was appropriate, less obviously had an effect on everybody and everybody. But the biggest effect I think that Les had was on his listeners. Um, less informed them, less educated them, less uh, entertained them, and less actually inspired everybody too, in, in so many ways. So before I wanted to say anything from my, uh, my own words, I really wanted to read some of the words that from, right from his fans, um, because those were the people that he talked to on a nightly basis and he was their elixir. He was their medicine. He was their warm pillow every night. The, the third shifters and everybody else. So I'm going to read some of the passages that were on his Facebook page just to start with. Um, and, and if you go to his Facebook page over the last four or five days now, you'll see it was populated with all his listeners who wanted to say something directly to Les. So if you'll allow me just to read a couple of them. Here's the first one. For any of us lucky enough to have a relationship with radio, we have those voices or personalities that bring back memories. The morning talk show host or DJ, our song request, or Paul Harvey's story time. Anyone who grew up a sports fan in Chicago knew Les Grabstein. Picture a real-life rain man with some Forrest Gump. Les was, walking, Les was a walking encyclopedia on sports history and Chicago rap, and he was always, always there. Name a historic moment, he was there, and he could recite the event and the moments leading up to it, complete with that day's weather, which is true. He honestly could remember the day's weather of, of any event. When the quarantine shut down life and we were digging up shows to binge watch, I found myself listening to Les's overnight live stream for comfort food and a voice from home. So I called up his show one night, late night, from Portland, and I did that. For the next 15 minutes, Les recounted just about every memory he had of the scenery in Oregon from his time covering the Bulls in the NBA Finals back in 1992, like it was last week. For three years, he got me through early morning drive work, waking up at 2.30 every day. But Les was always on the air every overnight. The beauty of Les was that he never let the microphone or call letters change who he was. Pure and simple, he was a guy you wanted to bump into to her story time, one of a kind, he'll be missed. This next one. I called into the Les Grabstein overnight show as Laker Chris, often in the 90s and beyond. Our banter would at times be contentious because he hated the Lakers. He hated the Lakers. I mean, I probably heard the sound bite a thousand times. Lakers go down, 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 down. He would play it all the time. 
So our banter would at times be contentious because he hated the Lakers as much as I loved them, but he was always nice enough to let me be on for five to 10 minutes and always greeted me warmly the next time I called in. This last one uh, is not from a caller, but someone who was very close to Les. Les, I don't really know how to write this, and yet I must. Les, you have passed away, and nothing I say or do can change this fact. Les, you were a stepdad to me and all but titled 20-plus years ago when my father passed away, and my mother, brother, and I moved to a completely new town where we did not know anyone. You were one of the first to make us feel welcome. You always went out of your way for us, became more than just a friend, but a family member. Without you, I would not be where I am today. Every challenge that I had to fare, every achievement I made, you were there. Every holiday, birthday, every single significant event, you were there. You drove me to my first university or watched me walk across the stage. You took me to my first Lord of the Rings film and sat through all three hours with me. By the way, he probably loved it more than I know him. I resented you for so many years because of how kind and compassionate you were. However, in the end, you rubbed off on me and I became more like you, lest you were a good man. You never once raised your voice to yell at anyone other than telemarketers. <laughs> not true. <laughs> Definitely not true. <laughs> and we'll get to that in a minute. I used to hate getting picked up after school and listening to your oldies. Now I wish I could have one more ride so you could sing some of your favorite songs. And Kathy, you've told me that he used to sing in the car all the time. I never heard less. I never heard that. Just a little bit more from, from uh, uh, Kathy's son, Daniel, here. You love your sports and live for your job. You made millions of people happy as they listened to your broadcast. I was never a sports buff like you, but you could see the passion in your eyes when you spoke. You could recall almost any sports-related statistic with ease, and you always had a funny quote to share from a movie you loved to go to. You loved being a grandfather and would always talk about your grandchildren when given the chance. You were also always so proud of your son and the man he is. And he did say that a lot, Scott, he did. Your love for animals inspired me to get my own dog. You loved your Yorkie moose. Oh my God, do I remember him talking about moose. You love moose more than most people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Now family dinners will be one person short. Now I won't have someone to argue with over anything and everything. Now I won't be able to have you for dinner at my own very home home that you never had the opportunity to visit. You won't get to see me married or have kids. Your death was something I was not prepared for and it came to me as a complete surprise. I'm not sure how the rest of my life will be without you on the sidelines rooting for us all. You adored my mother. Kathy, you were the love of Someday I will catch uh, you up on everything you will miss. Wish I could have had more time to spend with you, but no one gets to live forever. I wish I would have had the opportunity to tell you all of this, to tell you how of an impact you made. Rest in peace, Les. Thank you for filling my life with wonderful and treasured memories. That's from Kathy's son, Daniel, which I, I just wanted to read. <clears throat> now my words. <laughs> I met Les... 43 years ago at Sports Phone. And if you don't know what Sports Phone is, just goof. Um, but it was a breeding ground for a lot of people in this room to go further into their broadcast 
great, great time. But I remember, I honestly remember the first day I walked in and I met Les and he was sitting at a desk. He was watching a little, probably 15 inch uh, black and white TV. He had his feet up on the desk and he was watching cartoons. <laughs> and then after cartoons, I think it was the monster. And uh, he had such a child, I mean, right off the bat, I noticed that he had such a childlike persona about him. And I was an instantly attracted because I probably have the same persona myself. Anyway, we had a lot of good times at Sports Phone over the uh, next couple of years while he was there. And then he graduated, if you will, and he will us radio, where he really, really started to make a big name himself. And, you know, he had so many um, experiences at LS, but the one that stands out while he was at LS, and everybody in this room probably knows this one, it was the famous Lee Elia rant. And what happened that day, it was an innocuous game, a day, I, I think it was in June or July, but I'm terrible. Les would have known the, you know, every detail of that day. But we, it was against the Dodgers, and, and most of us initially went to the Dodgers side after the game because there was a player on the Dodgers, his name was Mike Marshall, and he was from Buffalo Grove High School. And uh, so a lot of us went there. Les was uh, down in the Cubs clubhouse, which in that point was all the way down the left field line. And so Les was in, Mark Greco was there, and Mark was taping it on TV. And Mark, if you can come up with that videotape, it's worth millions. It's worth millions. <laughs> anyway, so Les, and, and I came into probably in the middle of it because I came from the uh, Dodgers uh, clubhouse. And uh, I mean, Lee Ilya just lost it. I mean, it, it's, it's one of the all-time, all-time rants in, in sports history. And Les recorded it. And then after the fact, he came upstairs and George was there also, George Hoffman. And, uh, you know, it wasn't long before that tape went around the world. It, it was like an ICBM. It just went around the world. Les peddled it everywhere. And, and for probably the next, I don't know, months for sure, maybe even a couple of years, Lee Elia was not happy with Les at all. But as time, you know, usually uh, softens all blows, um, Lee Elia came to understand, he led it after a while. And then there was probably about, I don't know, five, 10 years after the fact, there was um, a function at Harry Carey's, which was outside of, uh, of uh, Wrigley Field. And it was with Lee Elia and they were celebrating the anniversary, which Les did every year, by the way. Um, and so Lee Elia and Les had a warm embrace and you can tell that they were really caring for each other, which I thought was really a nice thing. Um, you saw pictures up here that Les always was a great organizer of softball and, and basketball. And we had uh, this team called Radio All-Stars, C-R-A-S. And, and we were crass in so many ways. Um, but Les would organize, would play all over the place. We'd play the Cubs front office. We'd play Connie Coding uh, front office and, and so many others. Um, but then there was this one time and, and Les was great at doing this. Les organized a trip to Kansas City, totally paid, totally. It, there was no cost. Les was great at that. Um, and we went to Kansas City, and it was sponsored by Brent, the now longtime defunct Braniff Airlines. And we went to Kansas City, and it rained cats and dogs. It was Noah's Ark for 72 hours. It rained from the moment we got off the plane till the moment we got back on it three days later. We never played a minute of softball. 
most of us were down in the bar the whole time, to be honest with you, having you know, cocktails. But less to his true nature, less went to the Royals game. Okay. And it was the first ever game rained out at Royal Stadium because it just never stopped raining. So that was typical of less. Um, I, I, a couple more incidents. I don't want to take too much time here. Um, Les, of course, when he was on LS, did a lot of shows all over the place that he was known for that. And there was this one time we were away to a soft game and Les was supposed to do the show from Wrigley Field. And uh, we, we had to get to the softball game. So Les goes, don't worry, I'll take care of it. So we're getting there, but we're stuck in traffic or whatever. Les pulls into a gas station. He goes, hang on, I'm going to do the show from here. So we pull into the gas station. He's supposed to be at Wrigley Field. But he pulls into the gas station, and I'm sitting, you know, in the car, you know, impatient. Come on, let's hurry up, do the show, da-da-da-da. Anyway, I, he was on with uh, Tommy Edwards. And, and Tom, I talked to Tommy the other day. He remembered the incident. Um, so Les is on the air, and back in those days, first of all, he was on a pay phone. And if you don't know what that is, Google that also. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'm, on, I'm on the car, uh, in the car, rather, and then he, like, he comes on the air. But in those days, in gas stations, they had that little strip that was there. And when you went over it, it went ding, 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 ding. And it came on over the radio. You could hear it as he's doing his report. And, and Tommy goes, Les, what is that? And, and Les very, very quickly uh, remembered. It goes, oh, uh, I'm on the payphone outside Wrigley Field. And that was the 22 Park uh, Street bus that just went by. So he had presence of mind to remember that the 22 was the Clark Street bus, but Tommy Edwards knew that he wasn't there. And uh, we had a good laugh about that one. Driving with Les, I mean, that was a white knuckle experience each and every time, each and every time. Um, Les also, he knew, he knew shortcuts that I didn't know existed. I mean, he knew every street, he knew every alley uh, in Chicago. And I used to say, God, he would have been a great cab driver. And I just found that the other day, he was a cab driver for a short time. He moonlighted as a cab driver for a while back, I guess, you know, early in his college days or whatever. But college, okay. Um, but again, driving with him, the rules of the road, uh-uh. He threw that book out a long time ago. Uh, and, and less traveled. Um, you know, when I was on the road uh, during the playoffs, whether with the Bulls, the Blackhawks, the whoever, uh, Les was there also. And he wasn't really there in, in an official capacity, but he wanted to do his show there all the time. And, and Mitch would always ask me, how does he do this? How does he fly around the country? And I have no idea to this day how he did Everybody, I mean, I don't know. You know, but he had frequent flyer miles. He could have flown to Pluto, you know, for free. And, and he taught me, I hate to say it, Les taught me so many ways of freebies and discounts. I mean, he was the king of them. Um, and, and when he was on the road doing his overnight show, all the, you know, he, he had antiquated equipment, I'll be honest. So, um, and, and Mitch knows this as well. But he would always get on the air. It would be a minute before midnight, but he'd get on the air. And he, but he, we would always go to the center first. Uh, because that's where he knew that there was a phone line that he could tap into, whether it was a fax machine or a copy machine or who knows what. And he, he would be like MacGyver. He would pull off the impossible at the last minute and get on the air. And then he would, you know, do a show from midnight to five. I, I probably had a hotel room somewhere upstairs. And then, you know, it knock at 515. 
he would knock on the door and say, all right, can I crash here for a couple of hours? And sure enough, he did. So those are just, I, mean, I go on and on and on and on, you know, and so could everybody else in this room about so many experiences we had with Les, and they're all pretty humorous, to be honest with you. But I want to leave you with one last one. Um, when my father passed away uh, a while back, um, and I had uh, my father Shiva for a couple of nights, Les was there both nights. And that's really unusual for you know somebody, and Les, lived, Les, Les did not live close to me. He lived pretty far away. He showed up. And he showed me, um, he showed me his heart and his soul, which were gentle, really gentle and kind and warm. And uh, those are things that I'll never, never forget. So when Les is his maker or you know, when he has that conversation and the maker asks him, did you have a good life, Les? The answer is yes. He had a very good life and he touched so many people and affected us all in a positive way. Thank you. Thank you so much for beautiful remembrances and words that you shared on your behalf, on behalf of others. Uh, I just want to point out one thing that uh, part of his success of uh, Air Miles also came from his family who uh, lent him Air Miles. <laughs> so as we hear how, uh, how Les really lived one of his catchphrases, I was there. In so many ways, uh, we now invite Bruce Levine forward to share some reflections as well. In the, uh, the mortal words of our friend Les Grobstein, I'll start off with his just a, a very quick uh, piece from his favorite poet, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> And uh, no truer words have ever been spoken. Uh, Les, first of all, I want to uh, express my condolences and my heartfelt uh, feelings to uh, Scott and his family, Kathy and her boys, Holly and her family, all of Les's extended family and friends. Um, this has been a hard time for everybody, and uh, it just uh, it's been heartwarming to hear from everybody in this room and uh, all the things that, that they felt about less and you know you you stop at these moments sometimes and say why didn't I tell less how much I loved him uh, these are these are moments we can all learn from and less hopefully will help us do that because uh, we all did love him. and uh, to his uh, listeners as David said um, you were there you were his extended family he was there for you you were there for them uh, as David said, the third shifters, the people who were disenfranchised, the people who had nowhere else to go, the people that were having a hard time getting through a day and a night. Les was there. He was the beacon of light out there for them, and he was always there. As David said, sometimes we made fun of him. Sometimes we laughed with him. We always enjoyed being with Les. Um, there's so many memories that uh, I'm not going to take up uh, everyone's time to talk about other than the fact that some of the things about traveling with Les and being uh, in places he wanted to be, regardless of whether he was sent on assignment or just always showed up. He always happened to be at an event, whether it was in New York, whether it was in Toronto, whether it was in L.A., New Orleans, 
out of the country, Germany following the bears, Les was always there. And he was always there for his people, the listeners. And again, um, when you you think about Chicago sports history and no one in the world knew more about Chicago sports history, or in fact, the history of Chicago, which was also a passion for Les. Uh, no one knew more than Les. Uh, we always used to say, uh, Les has always has forgotten more than anyone else will know about sports in the city of Chicago. I'll share a couple of uh, stories. I'll start with um, our friend Cheryl Ray. Um, Cheryl is here today as well. And uh, like myself and Cheryl and uh, George Jordan and uh, Marcin Greco and so many people that are here today, Dave Kern, Mike Esposito, Mark Grove, Steve Leventhal, Ron Gleason, Steve Oaken, friend David Haw and my partner, Chris Emma. If I'm leaving anybody out, uh, I'm not, uh, not doing it on purpose. Uh, Les and I were at the 1996 World Series, Atlanta Braves and the New York Yankees. We had a day off on Monday. Uh, Les knocks on my room and says, what are you doing today? I said, nothing. He said, let's go to the Jimmy Carter Museum the presidential uh, library for Jimmy Carter. I said, great, because like us, I've always had a passion for history and uh, going to the, the library for Jimmy Carter sounded great. So at 11 o'clock in the morning, we drive up there, we, we walk in, there's absolutely nobody in the building. Less than hiring around, we look at exhibits. We're there for about 40 minutes maybe 45, we start to walk out and coming our way with two secret service men is Jimmy Carter. <laughs> now keep in mind, there is absolutely no one else but Les Grobstein, Bruce Levine, Jimmy Carter, and two secret service men <laughs> in the house. We both very slowly raise our hands to talk, uh, to shake hands with Carter. He was very nice. He was very, uh, he asked us if we were Braves fans in town to see World Series. Les said, no, we're reporters. And uh, after about a three or four minute exchange, Mr. Carter, President Carter started to walk away and Les said, President Carter, would you mind showing us some of the exhibits that are your favorites here? <laughs> Only Les, right? And, and President Carter said, I sure will. So for the next 15 to 20 minutes, Jimmy Carter showed us some of uh, his great moments, uh, some of the great moments that were in that museum. We walked with him and uh, Les said to him as he walked out, thank you so much, President Carter. He said, you know, we, we still are Chicago fans and we're not gonna root for the Braves. So. <laughs> um, Les was, as David said, uh, if, if Les always drove, and he was the, now you've never heard this term before, multi-purpose driver, okay? Les was the first multi-purpose multi driver. He could do multiple things at once, and you, if you were driving with him, he was driving with his knees, he had a Coke in one hand, he had a cell phone in the other, he was doing reports, honestly, 
God, how we ever survived. But it was um, it was always fun traveling with Les. Uh, his passion uh, when I first met Les in the early '80s was the uh, uh, Crass, the Chicago Radio All Star Softball Team, as Dave. Uh, my memories of Les was uh, he was as passionate uh, in softball and being a manager as he was as on, on the on the air and talking Chicago sports. Uh, my memories will always be of him uh, in Joliet talking to an umpire about a bad call. The umpire eventually throwing him out of the game for bad language, and Les actually getting into a shoving match with the umpire. Uh, that wasn't Les's nature, but uh, this was on one day uh, to just show his passion. Um, <clears throat> emotes with Les. I, I did probably 50 shows on the road with Les from World Series All-Star Games. Uh, and uh, for, as David also said, somehow, some way, all he needed was an electrical uh, socket to plug in a coupler or uh, uh, a line that he had. And we, we, we could do a show from a closet, uh, from, uh, from a hallway. We did all of those things. He was an amazing person. And um, it's just going to be really tough saying goodbye. Some of the words that comes to my mind are kindness, resourceful, respectful, generous and loving. Those are the things that I will always remember about Les and uh, the way he felt all about you was loving. And uh, he might've expressed it differently. He was always present. He was always there for you. And as uh, David also said, uh, there's a loss in your family or there was something wrong. Les was the first to be there. We we'll all miss Les Grobstein. I'll miss him terribly. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce, for your wonderful stories and remembrances. And now we're going to uh, invite Mitch Rosen to come forward to share some words of reflection. Thank you, Rabbi. Bruce and David, uh, beautiful uh, speeches. Scott, Stacy, Ben, Nicholas, Holly, Kathy, my deepest condolences. I've known Les for 30 years. Currently, we're colleagues at the score. For the past two years, Les and I spoke every weekday morning at 4.54 AM. Why? Would shut down the world like most on-air hosts, Les worked from home. I kept him home for safety. He would sign off the air at that time, and I would wait at my Starbucks until it opened at 5 AM. So it was our five to six minutes together and we touched base. He would give me his thoughts on the beers. He'd go over what he was doing that day, whether it would be taking Kathy to lunch, taking Kathy's dad grocery shopping. And it was our time together that I really miss. Scott, last summer, he was so excited. He was going to a Cubs game as a fan with you and your boys. He was overwhelmed with joy that he was sitting with all of you watching a game together in person. Similar to what David and Bruce said, what I believe the legacy of Les will be is the thousands of people who considered Les a friend, a companion, 
or just somebody to keep them company in the middle of the night. Friendship is defined by a mutual relationship, but in this case, it was really a one-way relationship. He was a friend to so many. That is what late night radio and overnight radio really is. Whether you were a first responder, a third shift worker, a person who couldn't sleep, or someone who had to get up to go to the bathroom and had trouble going back to sleep. Les was always there for people. He never really was sick until last week. Hardly took vacation time, barely took time off for the holidays. Listeners counted on Les, and he was always there for them. He was a companion, a friend, an entertainer. After a bad game, a good game, Les was always there. Les's callers were, and they were the co-hosts of his five-hour show each night. 50,000 watts across the United States and four Canadian provinces, Les was there for them. There was Adam in Lake Villa, Tom from Hoffman Estates, Frank from I-80, he was a Packers fan, <laughs> Bob from Arlington Heights, Tracy from the South Side, Mark from Milwaukee, Ken from Minnesota, get ready for this one, Rocco from Cicero, the only caller to ever win Bum of the Week. <laughs> we really saw how powerful the relationship between Les and his audience was over the last couple days, as demonstrated by the donations made by many people, including listeners, fans, friends, and of course the score in our company Odyssey. So as we say goodbye to the legend, let's remember all the people that never met Les like all of us, but heard him a great friend through the power of radio. Goodbye Les and thank you. Thank you so much Mitch. And uh, as so many people felt knew Les, it was because he was himself he was. He lived in his way and his terms. And so we want to now invite his nephew, Eddie Levine, to come forward to share reflection. All right. Uh, eulogizing a legend in a room full of uh, all of my media role models, no pressure. Um, unlike Les, I'll try and keep this brief. Um, it's just got a lot more lonely. Uncle Wes, your voice was always a welcoming addition to my sleepless nights. Though we didn't have a traditional uncle and nephew relationship, like his loyal listeners, our relationship was lived through a lens of 50,000 watts. Sports, and more so sports talk radio, have been a very large part of my life. At a young age, I wanted to follow into your footsteps and host a radio show of myself, down to the time slot. Well, that has changed over time. That part of me will always be there always loving sports, wanting to interact with whatever show was on air, and fully being a diehard Chicago meatball fan. You took a Rolling Stones song and let's spend the night together and made it your own recognizable opener, one that we all know is the best opener in radio. You may not be Mick Jagger, but you will always be a legend in Chicago, and you will be missed. Thank you, Thank you Eddie, for sharing these words of remembrance for your uncle person who has meant so much to you. And now we're going to call upon Holly to come forward to share some words for your brother. Um, before I start, I just want to 
extend my thanks to everybody for coming, everybody on the Zoom. The support we have felt has been nothing short of amazing. And record, I have to tell you that the station and its parent corp have been fabulous and terrific, regardless of what you've read. They've really stepped up and helped us and been there all the way through. Um, and thank you for speaking, all three of you. Um, anybody who knows less would appreciate the green folder and the green paper. Really hard to keep this short. And I think I was able to achieve that because as I've said many times in my life, I'm not less and I'm not like. No one is like less. Really, no one. Condensing over 60 years into a few minutes is not easy. So I thought I would tell you some things about my brother you may not already know. I'm sure these are stories he would never let me tell. Earlier this week, I heard on air someone say that Jewish parents don't let their kids become sportscasters anymore. I'm here to tell you neither did ours. The active discussions in our house were epic. And there's some people in this room who probably remember some. To begin with, he collected bus transfers. I won't make you Google it. For those who are too young, it used to be when you rode the bus, you would drop correct change or a token in a little box on the way in. If you needed to change buses to go somewhere else, you would pay another five cents to get a little sheet of paper called a transfer with holes poked. And that would allow you to get on another bus. He had bags full of bus transfers. He would ask bus drivers on the way in if he could grab some out of the bag that sat there. And no, he did not try to use them to get free rides later. He just collected them. Drove our dad nuts. Then there was the, the equipment and the tapes, reel to reel in those days. He recorded every Cubs game and other sporting events and space launches. This was audio only. Nothing hooked up directly to the TV. He would simply place the microphone in front of the TV speaker and record. Since he was almost always at the game, he wasn't home to press record. So he had a system. He would leave me or whoever was going to be home this. It would be on the floor near the outlet. Understand you could set up the tape, press record, and then pull the plug. And when you plugged it back in, the recording would start. He also had a portable reel-to-reel -reel recorder, which nobody had in those days, but he did, that he would bring to Cubs games so he could report, record himself doing play-by-play. -play. In those days, if you stayed after the game and flipped up the seats for the sweepers, you would get a free pass to the next. So he was always game without paying. Yeah, it started at a young age. If our mom was picking him up and didn't see him after the game, she would simply ask one of the Annie Frank guys with the tape recorder. They all knew him. They told her where to find him or they'd get him. By the time the bus transfer collecting ended, he had libraries of reel-to-reel -reel tapes with recordings off the TV and his own play-by-play. -play. Each tape cataloged on paper in binders. At the end of the day, they only 
our parents only required him to get a college degree, had something to fall back on, which of course we knew that was not his path. And no one was more proud of his accomplishments than our mom and dad. When they were still alive, they never missed an opportunity to talk about what he did, where you could hear him on the radio, even if it was a less listened to station that they couldn't find that carried some team they never heard of. I was extremely proud when Les brought over a roster of a Polish team that was visiting in advance of Les doing play-by-play -play for the game because our dad was from Poland and he was able to sit with Les and help him pronounce every name correctly. Win-win, Les would not mispronounce the names if he had a way to get them correct. My dad was beaming. So just a couple of stories from earlier in his career. Some of you were there, but when Les was at WLS, as you may have heard, softball was a thing. In addition to the WLS 89 during Crass, he also managed the WLS women's team. I worked at an ad agency near the station and played on the agency co-ed team. So when Les didn't have any players and to avoid a forfeit, I would get a phone call to go play the game. I wasn't great, but I wasn't awful either. None of us were very good. So here, here's the thing. If he had enough players, he would very specifically tell me not to come to the game, that he didn't need me to play. The next week when I got a phone call and played again, I would be asked where I was the week before because they missed me. Classic less. Related, I would also go to some of the 89 and crass games to cheer on the team. He would invite me. I knew a lot of the people. It was a lot of fun. They sometimes played in Barrington at Langendorf Park. On the way to a game there one evening, no, I don't remember who they were playing. I happened to pull up right behind Les on the Ontario feeder to the Kennedy in bumper to bumper rush hour traffic. I don't drive like Les. So know where this is going, right? He immediately whips out of traffic onto the shoulder and takes off. I'm like, okay, see you there, brother. I gradually merge into traffic and drive along on the Kennedy and drive out to Barrington, legally, in actual lengths. I pulled into the parking lot right behind Les pulling into the parking lot. Don't know what he did, what ma magic route he took, but we got there at the same time. That wasn't the best part of the evening. One he would kill me for telling. Les was talking to some people about the game or the lineup or something. I even saw. Off to the side, there was a group of maybe junior high age girls, maybe fourth or fifth grade, not sure. And um, I was standing with one of his friends listening. These girls, there he is. It's Les. Go ahead and ask him. No, no, I can't. All of a sudden, two of the girls push this other girl towards him. She flies forward two steps screams, no, and runs away in terror. Now, I love my brother, and he was not unfortunate looking, but preteen heartthrob had never crossed my mind. <laughs> the best part was he was oblivious to the whole scene and never saw her to thing. And when we went out after the game, he pretty much didn't believe us that it happened. <laughs> Obviously, there are many, many more stories, but I thought it, these would be a little different than all the wonderful ones we've made. Um, tons of others that, in, in honoring my brother, I will not tell. I'm still trying to process that he's gone. 
We didn't hang out a lot anymore. His life just didn't work that way. As we've already heard, his life worked his way. For him, it worked. But never miss calling a holiday. This is where I was going to lose it, sorry. Or on my birthday. He would also call when he was in the car. The calls were either super short in length. Oh, I got to go. I got to get this. Or ending with me thinking, oh, crap, I got to plug in my phone right now because it's been an hour and a half. So I will end with um, one more point before, before I dive into my ending. Um, we talked about moose here. Um, Bernstein's wife once came up to me. We worked together and thanked me for less having moose because that was how Bernstein agreed to get their first dog. A little side story. I'll end with the certainty that Rout and Moose were waiting for Les at the Rainbow Bridge and will bring him along to the dog day at the ballpark up there as he reports on the game. Thank you, Holly, for this loving tribute to your brother, the person who you've known for your whole life. And uh, now we're invite Holly's daughter, Erin, to come and share a, a little musical tribute to her uncle, Les. I don't even know how to feel has, has it sunk in that it's real It doesn't feel too different from yesterday Yet nothing is the same Nothing is the same Should I be sad? Should I be angry? a candle knowing nothing will be the same
the time where it's okay to be okay to be all of the emotions that you expressed that's what it means someone and have to say goodbye as we've heard so many incredible stories and remembrances of less i want to share that one of his loves he loved all sports as we know one of his loves of baseball is something that I share with him. When you think about baseball, it's a game that tells a story. Someone who is starting from home, going out from his home, and trying to come back home a little further advanced than when he left. There are obstacles to get in the way to keep us from finding that home but that is the goal of the game. So we think about Les. Les lived this game in so many ways because he was always sure of where home was. He was always sure of what home looked like to him because to Les, home was always sharing sports with people, specifically Chicago sports. He didn't spend his life needing to seek out a home anywhere else. And living this way, he on his terms. As Holly, you said, he lived a life on his terms like no one else has. You never knew a time where he didn't want to be a sportscaster. And that was a major aspect of his life. Yes, you with the need of having to record and just tortured you in general as an older brother. And you returned the torture as well. But you also knew that he, he wouldn't let anyone else treat you that way. And he lived up to that promise when someone was bullying you. He stood up and protected what he wanted home to be. I know that Scott, your core stories of your life was that the day that you were born, he wasn't there because he was covering the world series. It was a huge break for him to be able to do so. And yet his pride for you has been abundantly clear in so many of the reflections and memories that are shared. Home 
home was always on his terms. Aaron, you mentioned, maybe not everyone knows this, but ability to hear a song and just play it on the piano. He gained this ability because when he was really young, he'd plink at the piano, his parents decided to get him a piano teacher. And they got a regular piano teacher who taught him the normal scales that wasn't working for less. Uh, one of the, the, the folks who came to help in the house was staying with him one day and was teaching him a little bit of modern music to play. And so when his typical piano teacher came by, six-year-old Les looked at her and said, this is my house, you have to leave. <laughs> when they called Les's mom to say, what do we do? She said, pay the lady and let her leave. <laughs> and so he went on a non-traditional route to learning how to play the piano and gained this ability and skill. He grew up with sports, did everything he could to comment on sports. And in classic less fashion, even Holly, when you became bat mitzvah at age 42, you gave him the date of your bat mitzvah well in advance. And he called you and said, oh, I'm not gonna be able to make it on the Friday night there for Saturday morning. The problem was your bat mitzvah ceremony was Friday night. You also recognize that if your bat mitzvah ceremony had been a sporting event, he would not have gotten this mixed up. But this was less. Less was home in his element. And Scott, you had met, you had reflected that some of being a part of Les's home meant that it came with opportunities to have incredible travel experiences and grow up in the shadow of the sports world. You reflected on this incredible trip to go with him to Alaska to cover a hockey tournament that he was that, that he was invited to cover. You went all the way out to Seattle, to Anchorage, to Fairbanks, to, to see Alaska and to take in this hockey to then take red eyes to Seattle and then to Phoenix and to see the Bears game in Phoenix, to then go to a Suns game and take the red eye home. <laughs> and you have never fallen asleep so quickly on a plane than that trip home. It wasn't always easy to have deep, intimate conversations with Les as father and son, but you also knew if a conversation ever got awkward, if you just turn it over to sports, his sportiness would come out and would turn into the typical less awkwardness. And so you re reflected that, Scott, he gave you so many gifts to take with you that you see of him in yourself, your love of sports, your sense of direction and odd love of maps and interstates. Your love of Chicago and the food and the restaurants of our city. You learned that everything that he did was with good intent, never with malice. 
and a big part of him has shaped for you how to be the parent that you want to be. Les found a way to find to share home in his way. And over the years, he shared his home in many ways and ups and downs of varied life with the different partners. And then, and then he had the opportunity to meet Kathy. Been together for many years now. I know that uh, there were many clips of people on the air asking he was going to get married to you. And he said, I won't do that. She'll dump me right away. <laughs> and Les was there with you, helping you to raise your children after you were widowed and being a father to your children in many different ways. And Kathy said that your family has loved him. He taught you sports and he loved your father. He was there for everyone who needed in the, his way. And that you said that you're a lucky woman to have lived with him and through him and have met some of the most wonderful people in the sports business. He was your rock. You will miss terribly. And so as we think of less, as we try to figure out what home now looks like for us, let us take with us those stops along the bases, the memories of reading Murphy's bleachers with our kids. And all of those transfer tickets and the times that you heard him be told, you're never gonna earn a living at this. Let's remember the times he's called and asked you if you were attending a special sporting event to grab a program or 12. Two of which you saw he had in his house. As we round the bases, remind ourselves of the times he'd call at odd hours, or the time he tried to hold a dog in his lap at the Passover Seder. The times that he'll say, we'll keep it going. Or any conversation about traditional elements of our universe the planet of Pluto, the designated hitter. This is our moment now to find our way to round third and come home and to take less home with us, further advanced because we went round the bases with him. In the words of Steve Goodman, It's a beautiful day for a funeral. Hey, Ernie, let's play too. Somebody go get Jack Brickhouse to come back and conduct just one more interview. Build a big fire on home plate out of your Louisville slugger baseball bat and my coffin in. Let my ashes blow in a beautiful snow from the prevailing 30 mile an hour southwest wind. When my last remains go flying over the left field wall, we'll bid the beecher bums of I'll come to my final resting place out on Waveland Avenue. I'll play, play the lonesome losers tune. That's the one I liked best. 
He closed his eyes and slipped away. Well, Scotty, it was the dying Cub fan's last request. So here it is. Do they still play the blues in Chicago when the baseball falls around? When the snow melts away, do the Cubbies play in their ivy-covered burial ground? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 